You're listening to Grounded, a podcast by the Oregon Department of Energy. Hello, and thanks for listening to Grounded. After a brief break, we are back with a new season, and we're jumping right in with the fascinating, innovative work NewScale Power is doing in Corvallis, Oregon, and beyond. NewScale was born from research funded by the U.S. Department of Energy through Idaho National Environment and Engineering Laboratory, with support from Oregon State University. Today, the company is nearing certification from the Nuclear Regulatory Commission for its small modular nuclear reactor technology. So what does that mean? Well, Dr. Jose Reyes, NewScale co-founder and chief technology officer, joins us for today's episode to talk about NewScale's work and what it means for worldwide energy and what it could mean for Oregon. Dr. Reyes, thanks so much for joining me on Grounded. Great. Well, thank you for having me. Let's start with you. Why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure, yeah. I um, started my career working for the Nuclear Regulatory Commission in Washington, D.C. So my formative, my first 10 years as an engineer was really uh, in in an arena that has a very strong safety mindset. Oh, sure. So how did you end up with NewScale? Well, in 87, I came to Oregon State University as a, a new professor and uh, have worked for Oregon State for 30 years. Uh, so I became the head of the uh, nuclear engineering department there. Uh, and uh, while I was head of the department, uh, I had a project with the Department of Energy to look at uh, a new type of reactor, uh, which later became called the small module reactor. But it was a small reactor that could be used for lots of different applications. Tell me a little bit more about this idea of a small modular reactor. What does that mean, and how does it differ from a reactor that people might be more familiar with? Well, uh, a small modular reactor, in, in, in particular our, our particular design, uh, what we have is a, uh, a reactor vessel uh, which uh, sits inside of a steel containment vessel which sits underground, underwater, <laughs> and that's kind of the whole design. It has some unique features uh, which uh, provide some inherent safety as well as lots of flexibility. Can you dive into that a little bit more? Like what makes it safer? Where to begin? (laughs) You know, as a company, we've had this mission that focuses on people, uh, plant, and prosperity. And really, to advance nuclear power, you have to have a very safe uh, design. So that's kind of our motivation. Uh, What we're doing, what we've done with the design is develop uh, what we call our triple crown of safety. Uh, Our particular design doesn't require any computer action or uh, operator action to shut down the plant, nor does it require any AC or DC power or additional water to keep the plant safe, to keep the reactors safe, uh, for an unlimited period of time. So it's a, it's a really a, a large leap forward uh, for, for safety for nuclear power. That's really interesting. So tell me more about the water, because a typical nuclear reactor uses a ton of water. It needs a nearby water source. How does New Scales design keep the water level down? Yeah, so if you imagine uh, uh, the, the, in terms of the safety part of the design, during normal operations, the reactors actually sit underwater in a, in a large pool. And that pool is housed in what we call a seismic category one building, which is seismic, it's aircraft impact resistant, uh, it uh, resists tsunamis, tornadoes, hurricanes, a whole range of, of uh, natural events. And uh, as a result, that water is protected from the elements, and that water is our ultimate heat sink. Now in this design, because it has so much surface area per, per volume uh, inside the containment uh, and heat generation rates, that we can remove all the heat just by using the surface area of the containment, rejecting that heat to the pool. And what happens is that uh, over time, uh, as, the, as the heat decays inside the reactor, uh, you transition from a water-cooled system to a boiling system 
to an air-cooled system uh, without having any operator action or computer action or AC-DC power or, or, again, the need to add additional water. So uh, ultimately, air cooling alone is sufficient to remove all the heat uh, in any event. How would the power output be different from a large reactor compared to the modular reactor? Yeah, so our design, uh, each module uh, is uh, 50 megawatts electric. So that's enough for for about 40,000 homes. So our base design is a 12-module plant. That's where we're getting certified right now. Uh, and so that would have an output of 600 megawatts. So you get a sense of, of community there by, you know, about 500,000 homes. So it's, it's, it's quite a bit of power. That's pretty significant. So you, you could almost power the city of Portland. Right, yeah. So if you look at a city of, of, of which I think has about 600,000 uh-huh. uh, uh, residents, a 600-megawatt plant uh, could just about cover it, yeah. Why nuclear energy? What got you interested in nuclear energy? Early on, uh, this is probably why I was in high school, uh, my dad was in the Navy, and he brought home some books. And one of those books was a, uh, was a uh, handbook about Oak Ridge National Lab and some of the, the engineering that they were doing with, uh, with the atom. And I thought that was really cool, you know, the, the idea that you can engineer atoms, things that you, can, you can't really see. Uh, and uh, so I was really attracted to that and studied it more. And by the time I had uh, reached my senior year in high school, I said, I want to be a nuclear engineer. And so I, I went to the University of uh, Florida in Gainesville. I got my bachelor's degree in nuclear engineering, then got my master's and PhD at the University of Maryland. So you came to Oregon as a professor at Oregon State University. Can you tell me a little bit more about New Scale's relationship with the university? Sure, yeah. You know, it, the engineering program there is, is, is pretty remarkable. As I had developed this concept, uh, by 2003, uh, we had a really strong concept. We had done feasibility tests. We had built a one-third scale prototype on campus. In 2004, I spent a year working in Vienna with the International Atomic Energy Agency. I started talking to different member states about what we were doing. And there was a lot of interest, and the big aha moment for me was, was while I was in Vienna, when I realized there was such a large global market for what we were doing. Because the capital costs are so much less, uh, it was more affordable, uh, and because many of the grids in these countries were not large enough to support the 1,000 megawatt type plants. So it was a perfect fit. So when I came back to the, to the U.S. in 2005, uh, had this great test facility in at Oregon State University and uh, decided I'm going to move this from the laboratory to the market. And I always tell people, thinking, how hard could that be? <laughs> yes, yeah, so we are many years later. <laughs> Still working on it. Still working on it. So it's, uh, it, the, the university was very supportive in this. They had a, a program where they, uh, they teamed me up with a, a business mentor uh, who later became our, our CEO, Paul Lorenzini. And uh, the two of us founded uh, New Scale Power then in 2007. Uh, we got our first investors in, in early 2008 and opened the doors to a bank building in downtown Corvallis. That became our, our first office, and we grew to about 35 uh, folks uh, very quickly. So the university uh, continues to have an equity share in the company because the IP was developed early on uh, through OSU. And how do you have a program with students where students can get involved in New Scale's work? They have, you know, they have their own research reactor, but how, do, how does the education part play in? Yeah, we have about 30 interns per year that we bring in from all over the country. Uh, so, and uh, I'd say maybe half of those are from OSU because they're so close by. Uh, and so they have more flexibility in terms of uh, the, uh, the appointment times. So, yeah, no, we continue to do that, and we have a very good engagement with, uh, with the university and the students. So tell me about the, the makeup of the employees here at NewScale. You mentioned, I think, that you have about 35 employees. Who, who works here? Are they engineers? Are they public affairs? I mean, I imagine it probably runs the gamut. 
Well, I started the company with 35. We're right now we're about 450. Oh, nice. that's <laughs> so, well, so we've that's grown a, a lot. Yeah, yeah, we've grown a lot. You know, uh, if you look at where we are as a company, we've we've uh, we've uh, expended about 700 million dollars in developing the project. We now have uh, we've grown from that original 35 people to to uh, about 450. That includes our contractors. We have five offices in the United States, and we opened up an office in London. So it's 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 just taking off, and it's exciting to see all the interest that we're getting in our design. So you mentioned that your that your modular reactor design is getting certified. Can you tell me about that process and what that means? Sure. Uh, it's a lengthy process. So we've been working with the Nuclear Regulatory Commission now for eight years. Well, actually, this will be nine years. Uh, so we had a pre-application phase, introducing them to our design, uh, and during that time period, we performed a whole range of, of tests. Uh, some of them performed here at Oregon State, but many performed all around the world to look at the safety aspects of the design. So uh, we've completed those tests. Uh, we completed a 12,000-page application. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, and submitted that to the uh, to the Nuclear Regulatory Commission as our application, and uh, that took about two million labor hours. Uh, and we spent about $500 million in, in uh, developing the design to that point. And now we're about 14 months into, into the actual review, so now it's a, we're in the design certification review process. We're the only SMR uh, that's currently being uh, reviewed by the NRC as part of design certification. So we're, we're really uh, breaking some new ground here. That process is, uh, is about 42 months long. Uh, the review process is very lengthy. Yeah. And, and a bit costly. I bet it. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> And we're about 14 months into that project, and we're still on schedule. I mean, the, the regulator is still on schedule. Uh, we continue to, to, to move the design forward. Uh, so we're, we're excited about, the, about getting through this process. All this is leading towards the deployment of our first 12-module uh, plant uh, in Idaho Falls. So we hope to have that operational in 2026, and that's, uh, that would be owned by the uh, Utah Associated Municipal Power System. So it's a consortium of, of uh, small utilities. Tell me about the testing. How did the testing go? Did you pass? Were there lessons learned from that process? Lots of lessons learned, of course. Uh, that's why you do testing. Sure. And, uh, but, the, but yeah, all these tests were, were, were really successful. So the test, for example, uh, we have integral system testing at Oregon State University. We did a battery of tests there looking at the reactor, the containment, and the pool, and how they interact. And so we, we use our state-of-the-art computer codes to uh, to to assess the, the test results. And basically, it's a, those tests are essentially a, um, a benchmark for our computer codes. So we can, we can analyze a whole range of, uh, of conditions. And so those tests were successful. We had the NRC actually uh, do three audits, well, two audits and an inspection uh, at that facility. Uh, we had the test facilities in Canada. This was a, what we call a critical heat flux test for our fuel. So you have to determine how much heat you can put through your fuel uh, rods. So those were tested, and uh, again, the NRC was present and watched us perform those tests in Canada, as well as we've done similar tests now in, uh, in Germany uh, with Arriva. So well, I guess now they're called Framatome. So uh, the, the, uh, our fuel is being manufactured by uh, the, the Framatome plant in Richland, Washington. And so they actually built the bundles, and we've done all our seismic testing on those bundles. So there's a whole range of tests. Uh, that uh, We've spent about $100 million in, in these different safety tests. Uh, we'll probably spend another $100 million or so in uh, commercialization tests, so just valves and things like that uh, that have to be tested. You've talked a lot about the the safety of these modular reactors, uh, cooling, and some of the you know more typical issues that might go wrong with a larger reactor. So, what about the nuclear waste? Uh, does it produce less waste, um, and how is the waste handled? 
early on, we, we, we made a decision to stick with the same exact fuel types that are available commercially today. <clears throat> we didn't want uh, to be kind of an outlier because then once the government makes a decision regarding whether they want to reprocess the waste or store it, store it right. we didn't want to have a different fuel matrix than everyone else and have to be treated differently. So that's where we're at right now in terms of the waste. It, we basically produce, uh, you know, on a per megawatt basis about the same as a large plant. So there's not, no, no difference there. But what's exciting is that some of the new fuel types, uh, we, we are able to accept some of the new fuel types that are being developed right now. And so that's kind of exciting in terms of their tolerance, uh, in terms of uh, longevity and, and how they respond to different events. So th that's, that's very encouraging. But uh, the technology is there. Uh, there are other countries who reprocess, and, and that would certainly be one option for the U.S. if, if you want to pursue that. And we'll be ready whenever they're ready. <laughs> so using new types of fuel that last longer, uh, that wouldn't end, end up producing as much waste in the end because you can reuse it or... Yeah, basically a smaller volume of, of, of waste potentially with some of the new fuels, but they're still being uh, they're still in the in the in the, in the research labs, and some of them are being tested. But I think there's some real opportunities there. How do you see modular reactors contributing to the overall energy grid uh, in a long-term kind of scale? Yeah, that's to me that's the most exciting thing. Uh, you know, I mentioned early on that uh, you know our company focuses uh, really on energy. It's it's much more than just power. So the idea is, is people, planet, and prosperity. And so if you think about what we're doing uh, with our first plant, that certainly is looking at producing power. But if you think about an application for electricity, carbon-free uh, free electricity, uh, one, mo one of our 50 megawatt modules would produce uh, enough electricity to power over 100,000 electric vehicles. So now if you're using clean nuclear to produce the power and you're using uh, clean uh, electrical car electric cars, uh, you've really reduced the carbon emissions, about 600,000 tons of carbon uh, emission avoidance per year just from one module. So that's a, that's a big plus. But we also realize that beyond power generation, there's so much more we can do. So uh, water has become a big issue. And, and, and uh, I'm not sure if water is going to be, become a greater issue than power or, or what's going to happen. But if you look at what's happening in Cape Town right now, right. Uh, the, the, uh, a major city without water is, uh, is a serious problem. A single new scale power module can produce 50 million gallons of uh, desalinated water per day. Uh, so that's a huge amount of water in just one module. That's enough water for a city of about 300,000. So two modules could provide all the water for Portland, <laughs> if, if, you, if you think about it that way. It, just for, uh, for illustration, you know, the 12-module the, uh, the plant that we're building in Idaho, that would produce enough clean water to, uh, to fill up the Moda Center in Portland uh, from the floor to about the skyboxes in one day. So it's a huge volume of clean water that can be produced. So we've teamed with a company called Aquatech, uh, who helped us do that study, uh, to show that using their, their state-of-the-art reverse osmosis process, you can generate enormous amounts of clean water. So I, th I, think, uh, I think about the power market, but I'm thinking, hey, the water market may actually be becoming much more uh, a greater, a larger market than actually power at some point. That's really interesting. That hadn't even occurred to me that that could happen. Can you for lack of a better term, dumb that down for me a little bit and, and talk about how a, a reactor would produce drinkable, potable water? Basically, what you're doing is producing power at, that doesn't generate carbon emissions, and then you're using uh, uh, reverse osmosis techniques. These are available now commercially. That's basically a membrane-type technology, which, uh, which basically cap traps the salt on one side and, and allows 
the, the water molecules to pass through the membrane to produce clean water. So that technology is available, but what's nice about our design is its flexibility in the sense that if you have 12 modules, you can use one or two modules to produce clean water, two or three other modules to produce power, uh, you can use six other modules to produce hydrogen. Uh, so we also have a process for generating hydrogen. Uh, we have a design for a six-module plant, which would produce uh, about 200 metric tons of, uh, of pure hydrogen per day. So now if you think about, well, if we don't go to electric cars, but we want to go to hydrogen-powered fuel cells, you know, one module would produce enough hydrogen uh, to power 60,000 uh, fuel cell cars uh, in a year, for a year. So that avoids about 360 tons of, excuse me, 360,000 tons uh, of CO2 in, in a year. So there's, in, we're looking at much more than just power production. We're looking for, at ways in which we can, uh, we can penetrate into the market much deeper by providing other products, hydrogen, clean water, uh, electricity for, for, uh, for electric vehicles. We've also done studies to look at um, reducing emissions from oil refineries. So uh, Floor Corporation is our parent company. I mean, they own about 90% of our company. Uh, and so they, uh, they're very familiar with oil refineries. And so we did a study with Floor looking at a 250,000 barrel per day oil refinery. We found that if we coupled a 10 module plant to that oil refinery, we could reduce all the emissions from that plant by about 40%. So it was it, about 190 metric tons of CO2 reduction per hour. <laughs> so it's an enormous reduction. So we can also work on cleaning existing facilities, reducing emissions in existing facilities as we transition to some of the more uh, clean technologies. So we're talking carbon-free power, clean water, hydrogen, and oil refining. And re right, reduction of emissions from oil refining. Yeah, so uh, we really do take to heart our mission that, uh, that we want to improve the quality of life for people around the world. Mm -hmm. And the only way to really do that is, uh, is to provide, uh, as a minimum, clean water and clean power. Mm -hmm. And when I uh, visit many other countries, I typically hear that. You know, we, need, we need power, but we also need water. And uh, many of the largest cities in the world now are coastal cities who have access to, to large bodies of salt water, uh, and that could be purified and made into clean water. All right, you're moving forward in the process to become approved in the United States. Are you having uh, sister processes in other countries to get your modular reactors there too? Yes, we are. Uh, it, well, currently the, the two big uh, exports we're looking at, one is the UK. So I mentioned we have an office in London. Uh, so uh, that office is looking at uh, working with the, the, uh, the UK government uh, in terms of their selection for an SMR. So they're very interested in SMRs. Their process is to look at all the SMR technologies that are available and basically perform an assessment and see which would be a natural fit for, for their country. That process was, was, a, was somewhat interrupted because of Brexit. So we were there during that week of, of Brexit. And oh, I bet that was interesting. It was really quite exciting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all, everyone changed. All the people we were dealing with changed sure, uh, immediately. Yeah. Um, so that has slowed the process down, but there's still a lot of interest in the UK. Uh, we just also recently submitted our, entered into a pre-application with the Canadian government. So there are uh, several locations in Canada where this uh, small mod reactor would work well would fit well with the, with their needs. And so uh, we're, we're, we're starting that process uh, similar to our design certification in the U.S. Uh, one of the nice things, uh, though, is that uh, uh, the Canadian government is working closely with the U.S. government in terms of uh, all the lessons learned and all the information we submitted, you know, our 12,000 pages that we submitted to, to, the, uh, to the NRC. And so they're able to leverage some of that information to speed our process along in Canada.
So let's talk about Oregon for a minute, where I think some Oregonians might be surprised to even learn that this research is happening in our state, um, because as I'm sure you know, a nuclear power plant cannot be built in Oregon right now. There are laws prohibiting it. Our last one, our only one that we ever had, Trojan, has been decommissioned. So how do you see new scales work in Oregon? Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting point. I mean, I, right now, I mean, this is a technology we've developed in Oregon, uh, and uh, and it's really catching on worldwide. I mean, we we're getting phone calls from from many many different countries at this point. Uh, so so Oregon uh, currently can't take advantage of the, the the clean energy or other processes that we can we can provide at this point. However, there still may be an opportunity for Oregon to benefit economically. Uh, so right now, we're in the forefront of creating an entirely new SMR manufacturing industry. Uh, so these are just the components for these uh, for these plants, and so we really view the the new scale supply chain uh, as a, an economic engine for prosperity. So our hope is that Oregon will will benefit from that economic engine. So just to give you a sense of the of the size of the market that we're talking about, so we've ha- we've had three independent uh, studies done on the market for SMRs. Just the new scales share alone of that market is somewhere between 34 and 84 gigawatts of power. So it's that works out to be somewhere between 700 and, and 1700 modules that we'd have to manufacture. So each of these modules is 72 feet tall and about 15 feet in diameter. Uh, very high quality components. Uh, really requires uh, uh, some advanced manufacturing techniques. So we have to advance that technology also. Uh, and so you, we we would have to be generating a large number of modules. This is over a 20 year period that we looked at from 2023 to 2042. So you'd be producing you know, up to seven modules per month <laughs> at, these, at one of these factories. Uh, you know, it works out to be about $50 billion to $120 billion of revenues in manufacturing over a 20-year period. That's huge. Yeah. That's really huge. Uh, and, and keep in mind, that's just for electrical power production. If you start looking at uh, water production, hydrogen production, the other things I've mentioned, uh, that's even a much that makes the market even larger. Sure. So yeah. the, the potential for a major industry uh, being developed around the manufacturing of these modules is, is real. Uh, and although I'm starting to, to wonder if the water production market might be bigger than the power production just because there's such a need. So there's an opportunity. Uh, so even if we don't uh, build a, 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 a new scale plant in Oregon at this time, uh, certainly there's an opportunity to, to, to benefit economically. One of the things that Oregon has been talking a lot about lately is resiliency. Uh, we, you know, we know that we're going to hit, be hit with an earthquake at some point. Natural disasters can happen at any time. Power supply can fail. Uh, how does New Scale uh, tie into resiliency efforts? That's a great question. You know, uh, one of the things that we've done in the design is to try to make it more resilient to, to natural events, including seismic. So uh, the seismic design for our plant is uh, is really robust because it's underground. And so if you look at the, the, uh, the acceleration rates, you know, in, in the frequency range for our buildings, you know, we can withstand 1.2 Gs <laughs> of acceleration, which is really, really high compared to most structures in, in the state. We've also gone to a, a footprint uh, in, in terms of the safety. The level of safety is so great that currently uh, we look at the worst case acts and conditions and we, we determine the doses at the site boundary and we don't exceed the regulatory limits. So when we talk about a new scale plant in terms of the footprint, we're talking about 35 acres. Typical, uh, like Trojan, you know, they had a 10 mile radius around the plant, which was an uh, emergency planning zone. 
So our emergency planning zone is the site boundary. So wow. it's much, much smaller. And so that's before the, the, uh, the, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission right now. So that's a huge, huge change. And it's just because, again, the inherent safety levels of this design, it's, it's a very different machine. It's a very modern machine, very, very different. And the safety reflects that. So it's, it's a much smaller footprint. So you can put these in different locations, uh, more distributed, which would help in terms of resilience. Uh, the other thing that's uh, unique about the design is that we have an island mode capability. And what that means is that uh, if you lose the grid, which is what's one of the concerns in a seismic event, is now you've lost all your, your uh, connections to the plant. Uh, for our design, we transfer uh, uh, all the house loads, uh, the internal power requirements, to a single module. So any one module can pick up all the power requirements for the entire plant, uh, any one of the 12. So what that does for us then is we go into this island mode where we can be in a, in a hot standby condition. Uh, every module can be producing power. Uh, we have 100% bypass of steam to the condenser, so they can be producing steam, but it's dumped to the condenser. And what that does for us is we can become first responder power. So as soon as portions of the grid are available, we can start dispatching that power to the grid in 50 megawatt increments or whatever, whatever increments that they, they need. So now we become first responder power as opposed to being a load on the grid saying, well, as soon as you get power, we need it you know, for our, our, our pumps and things like that. We're self-sustained, uh, sustaining at that point. So that adds a lot of resiliency uh, to, to what we're doing. One of the exciting things that we've, we've, we've uh, and we've completed a study on this, uh, is looking at uh, mission-critical facilities, hospitals, uh, data centers. Uh, you, you think about banking, financial institutions, all, th all the places that really require power 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, because we have 12 modules, uh, what we found was that you don't need, these mission-critical facilities don't need 600 megawatts. They need maybe 50 megawatts. So when you do the analysis, uh, it, any one of those modules can provide power to that mission-critical facility in a dedicated microgrid. So what that does for us then is we can guarantee with 99.99% availability to a mission-critical facility for the 60-year life of the plant. So that's really unheard of from a single facility. And that's because we have one module out of 12 that's always available to, to provide power under worst-case accident conditions. So uh, right, it's a new level of resilience that we're offering with this design. So the Oregon Department of Energy does a lot of emergency planning, and we are a responder if there were ever an incident at the Hanford site or the Columbia Generating Station. And it's really interesting what you said about the emergency planning zones, because for those facilities, it goes out 50 miles uh, in some cases in a worst-case scenario. And so for new scales to only be the site boundary, that's, that's pretty amazing. Yes, it is. It really is a major breakthrough. And, uh, you know, we've been working with the Tennessee Valley Authority, and they submitted their early site permit for a, a plant in the Clinch River. And they use our calculations and all of our, our, our results uh, in their application uh, to, uh, to say that we believe we can do a site boundary emergency planning zone. All right. So what is next for New Scale? Well, we have a lot of work to do still. Sure. Uh, so I mentioned that we're about $700 million in this project, so a significant investment in the company. Uh, but we still have uh, additional work to do our site-specific uh, site design. So the first plant in Idaho Falls, we the seismic analysis, all the things that have to be done for, uh, for a, a local site, that design work uh, needs, to, needs to happen. It's our standard plant design. So there's a lot of work to do, to do, to, uh, to do there. We continue getting international interest, so now we have to follow up on all those, all those requests that we're receiving. Uh, and it, we're also uh, looking at how we could advance our, our mission more effectively. And this might mean partnering with, with other, other folks, uh, but you know, right now 750 million people in the world don't have access to clean water. 
the outdoor pollution is, contributes to like 5 million deaths per year globally. Uh, about a billion metric tons of food is, is wasted because there's no refrigeration. Uh, and about almost 6 billion people just live in energy poverty. They just have very, very little energy. So you know, our mission you know, continues to be to provide scalable uh, nuclear technology uh, to, for the production of electricity, heat, and water uh, to improve the quality of life for people around the world. So we have that broader mission. Uh, and so we, we're going to continue pushing on that. And it might mean partnering with, with some other organizations uh, uh, to do that. Uh, but we really see this as something that resonates with our employees, uh, and it's something that they're pushing for, and we're, we're, we're 100% behind our mission. There you have it, Grounded listeners. New Scale Power is on a mission to bring carbon-free energy, clean water, and more to communities across the globe. Learn more about New Scale's history, mission, and its team on its website, newscalepower.com. For more information, including photos of New Skills' work, visit our blog, energyinfo.oregon.gov. Learn more about our work at org.gov energy. All episodes of Grounded are available on soundcloud.com slash oregonenergy. Subscribe to Grounded on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or TuneIn. Until next time, thanks for listening to Grounded, a podcast by the Oregon Department of Energy.